Can you please explain exactly what City have been charged with? Well, basically, they've been charged with breaking the Premier League's financial fair play rules around 100 times over a nine-year period. In today's episode, we've got some major news in European soccer, a bankruptcy affecting MLB, NBA, and NHL media deals, and a look into Super Bowl ad successes and major expensive flops. It's Tuesday, February 7th. I'm senior writer Owen Poindexter, and this is Front Office Sports Today. Top story of the day, Manchester City has been accused of violating financial fair play rules by the Premier League, and this gives a whole lot of weight to what some people have been saying for a long time. To give this simple version of financial fair play, in European soccer, teams are essentially supposed to spend what they make. That means you're not supposed to have a Steve Cohen situation in which a rich owner just wants to spend whatever it takes to win. These rules are crucial to how these soccer leagues operate, because there is a much more direct link between success and revenue than there is in American sports. In the US, of course, it's generally true that if you win more, fans get excited, they come to games, they watch, they buy merch, and if you make the playoffs, you get another boost in all those categories, plus some extra media money. But it's also true that some teams sell out no matter how bad they are, and a few teams are awesome, but no one shows up to see it. So here, winning and profits are correlated, but there are plenty of outliers. But in European soccer, if you stink, you can get relegated to a lower division where you don't have access to the top-level media deals and you take a huge financial hit. And if you're a really top team, you can make it to the UEFA Champions League and access another huge pool of prize money and media money. So financial fair play is a big deal here, especially because due to the player transfer system, good players are always available if you have enough money. Speaking of which, the latest transfer window closed at the end of January and Premier League teams went berserk. They collectively spent $1 billion, which is a record and also more than the four biggest European leagues, that's Bundesliga, La Liga, Serie A, and League One, more than all of them combined. This prompted the La Liga president, Javier Tabas, to say something doesn't add up here. He tweeted, and this is in translation from Spanish by The Athletic, quote, We read the, quote, strength of the Premier League, but it, is a, but it is a competition based on the club's millionaire losses. Their ordinary income is not enough for them. Most of the clubs are financially doped, end quote. There are plausible narratives on both sides here if you look from a distance. On one hand, Premier League teams make a lot more money than other teams. According to Deloitte, the Premier League has 11 of the top 20 soccer teams by revenue and 16 of the top 30. There are only 20 teams in the Premier League, and nearly all of them are among the top-earning teams in the world. However, their owners are more than capable of adding some extra cash to boost them if they find a way to do that. Newcastle, for instance, is owned by Saudi Arabia's Public Investment Fund, which has around $620 billion in assets under management. They're not the only team that is essentially owned by a Middle Eastern country. Uh, Paris Saint-Germain is owned by the Qatar Sports Investment Authority. And as for Manchester City, they are owned primarily by Sheikh Mansour, Deputy Prime Minister of the United Arab Emirates, who has access to incredible sums of money as well. There have been whispers and rumblings that these teams are cheating for many years, but it's a big deal that the Premier League itself is now stepping in. So, Man City is accused of breaking financial rules over nine seasons, starting with the 2009-2010 season. Well, basically, they've been charged with breaking the Premier League's financial fair play rules around 100 times over a nine-year period. An independent commission is now deciding what to do with this, and penalties could include fines, points deductions, or even relegation. 
I don't think they would go there, but that's on the table. In the short term, the big question is what happens to Manchester City? Longer term, we're wondering if this is a new era of actual financial fair play in European soccer. Now over to a company that could use a cash injection. The parent of Bally Sports is in trouble, and Major League Baseball is looking at taking back local rights to 14 teams. What's going on here is essentially the slow collapse of the traditional regional sports network model. As there's a drive in a deep left field by Castellanos, it will be a home run. And so that'll make it a 4-0 ball game. I don't know if I'm going to be putting on this headset again. Diamond Sports, which is owned by the Sinclair Broadcast Group, is, according to Bloomberg, headed toward bankruptcy with $8.6 billion in debt. That's a big number, especially when you consider that in 2019, Sinclair bought Diamond from Disney for a reported $9.6 billion. The short version of why the company is now falling apart is cord cutting. Diamond owns 21 regional sports networks, which broadcast MLB, NBA, and NHL games, and they are built on a financial model that assumes that TV watchers in the U.S. get cable, and that's less and less true every year. And Diamond doesn't have a great answer for that. They did launch their own sports streaming service, Bally Sports Plus, but that's not covering the gap right now. Diamond went to MLB asking for additional streaming rights and ways of integrating Bally Sports Plus into MLB's ticketing and merchandise platforms, but it came out last week that MLB said no to all of that. Oh no, you gotta be kidding me. MLB executives are now publicly talking about contingency plans here. MLB Chief Revenue Officer Noah Garden told Front Office Sports that, quote, our strong preference would be for the RSNs to be able to fulfill the agreements they signed with the clubs. However, we need to be prepared if the RSNs are unable to do so. This is a situation we have been monitoring for a long time. We have been contingency planning to ensure that no matter what happens with the RSNs, fans will be able to continue watching their favorite teams in their local market. Diamond broadcasts 14 MLB teams under the name Valley Sports, but how long that's true for remains to be seen. Up next, we'll talk to our reporter Amanda Kristovich about the latest in Super Bowl ads and historic and very expensive flops. We'll have that conversation right after this. Two thousand, two thousand eight, twenty twenty two. When it comes to the economy, those are some scary years. Dot com crash, housing crash, and the roller coaster we're going through right now. One thing is certain, it's a dangerous time to not know your numbers, but over 31,000 businesses have the confidence and clarity they need because they rely on NetSuite by Oracle, the number one cloud financial system. NetSuite gives you visibility and control of your financials, inventory, HR, planning, and budgeting so you can manage risk, get reliable forecasts, and improve margins, everything you need all in one place. So how do you prepare for uncertain times? The answer, NetSuite. NetSuite helps you identify rising costs, automate your business processes, and easily see where to save money. That's why 93% of customers say they improve their visibility and control when they upgraded to NetSuite. What are you waiting for? Right now, NetSuite is offering a one-of-a-kind flexible financing program. Head to netsuite.com slash frontoffice right now. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. netsuite.com slash frontoffice. Joining me now is our front office sports reporter, Amanda Kristovich. How are you doing, Amanda? I'm doing well. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, yeah, you wrote a feature on some Super Bowl ad flops. I want to get to that shortly. But 
uh, we got news. Um, Super Bowl ads have sold out. Fox has sold out their Super Bowl ads. Um, they're charging $7 million for a 30-second spot, which I believe is a record, e even though they didn't have the help of a certain industry. Amanda, could you tell us how many uh, crypto ads we'll be seeing in the Super Bowl this year? Oh, zero. Absolutely none. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was hot a year ago. They actually called last year's Super Bowl the Crypto Bowl because there were so many crypto ads in the Super Bowl. Oh, but one of, one of the uh, Super Bowl ad flops you highlighted for was, was just last year. And at the time, it was kind of, uh, you know, a lot of people were charmed. Uh, but it was in the, the now kind of falling apart crypto industry. Yes. So um, when so the one of the ads that we wrote about in our feature, um, so I, I can't take all the credit. It was uh, me and then my two brilliant colleagues, AJ Perez and Mike McCarthy, who, as we are recording, are on the plane to the Super Bowl as we speak, by the way. But I did a section on the FTX crypto ad from last year's Super Bowl, which I can give a quick refresher to our listeners, um, featured Larry David, um, basically going through all these like scenes throughout history where he's talking about, you know, he's being presented with the wheel as an invention. What does it do? It rules. Yeah, so does a bagel, okay? A bagel you can eat. The light bulb as an invention. One of the worst ideas I've ever heard. Just like things that are super obviously like, you know, the best inventions of human history. And he's like presented with them and he's like, eh, I don't see the point of this. Like, I don't think it's going to catch on. And at the end, someone presents FTX. It's a safe and easy way to get into crypto. Yeah, I don't think so. And I'm never wrong about this stuff. Never. And then the ad ends with like, don't be like Larry, like, you know, invest in crypto. <laughs> well, as it turns out, um, Larry was right. And not only, so obviously at the time the ad seemed clever, right? But Yeah, it was kind of charming. Yeah, but in retrospect, clearly it is now like emblematic of the massive failure that was not only FTX, but has been the crypto market since the crypto crash of last year, right? Um, and not only that, FTX's ad itself is now embroiled in at least three different lawsuits, two of which are um, like just sort of average people who are claim who are suing Larry David and other celebrities claiming that they like, you know, misrepresented FTX, you know, they convinced viewers to invest when they shouldn't have, et cetera, et cetera. And then the third lawsuit is actually um, alleging that FTX misappropriated funds, like used funds that legally it couldn't for marketing expenses, which included the Super Bowl ad, um, which was a $6.5 million spot. Right. And there, there's kind of two things going on here, right? There's FTX itself, which is its own like weird little drama that involves certain personalities and, and their own mismanagement and you know, you know, quite possibly criminal mismanagement of those funds. But then there's the crypto industry itself, which, you know, has obviously has tanked over the last year since, you know, the last Super Bowl, say. Um, but like Crypto.com still has the it has Crypto.com Arena in L.A. It also has the uh, Formula One race in Miami. It's got a bunch of other sponsorships. And I was talking to someone about this and they're like, yeah, is, do they still is it still called Crypto.com Arena? And it's like, well, yeah, like yeah. them and Coinbase and some others like they're you know, they haven't been accused of anything as far as I know. 
um, but they're not doing well, but they haven't, they, they don't have this like weird internal drama that is resulting in prosecutions. Again, as far as I know, they're very well could be stuff deep within the crypto industry. And you do hear about little crypto companies uh, going under or, you know, their, their assets getting bought for pennies on the dollar, um, you know, somewhat regularly now. So we've got this like other pending question of will crypto, um, you know, will, will those crypto companies, are, is there a day coming or are they going to survive long enough to, I don't know, um, have this industry become something um, that more sustainable? Yeah. And I, I think the one thing I will point out is I think it's easy to say that, like, particularly for something like a Super Bowl commercial, it's easy to say, well, it was like fiscally irresponsible for these companies that were all super new to like just shell out millions of dollars. But, um, you know, my colleague Mike uh, mentioned in our story, the Apple commercial that, you know, like really is looked at as, as a huge success. And at the time, obviously, it wasn't, you know, like the Apple that it is today. So I think that you know, it wasn't necessarily like a bad business decision for all these crypto companies to invest in Super Bowl ads. It just so happened that they didn't, you know, they probably could have used the money when the crash happened, you know, but it's like 2020 vision, you know, vision is 2020 in hindsight, right? Right, right. Yeah, you've got that 1984 Apple ad, which if you haven't seen it, listeners, like, go look it up. It's iconic. It's it's like a little mini sci-fi movie um, in in an ad, and it's from 1984. Uh, probably the first, like, breakthrough Super Bowl ad. And, and yeah, I mean, if you take, like, cryptographs over the last year and just, like, turn them upside down, like, those, like, Super Bowl ads would be like, yeah, see, like, that, those brilliant spending, brilliant marketing, like, getting in on the market, like, well you know, millions and millions of eyeballs are watching. And, you know, that that's like the big promise of a Super Bowl ad is that you've got, you know, possibly the biggest global audience on one night and it's your big moment. And if you're willing to spend up and you, you can like hit the, the exact right note in those 30 seconds, then you're golden. Uh, but obviously some companies like they, they take their one shot and they miss so you looked at that FTX ad. What were the other major flops you guys took a look at? Uh, yeah, so there have been several, obviously, over the years. But the two that we picked were um, the nationwide dead child ad, um, which... Yeah. <laughs> the name kind of says it all. <laughs> it just kind of says it all. Like, you turn on the Super Bowl and the last thing you want to see is a dead you know, like a story about a dead child who's like, I'll never get to hang out with my family and ride my bike because I'm dead. And, you know, and there was a, a nationwide um, released a statement after uh, after they got trashed for this ad. And they were like, well, the purpose wasn't to sell our product. It was to start a conversation. And, and my colleague Mike was like, mission accomplished. Like conversation started. Probably not the conversation you wanted. But also like that's a crazy thing to say. Yeah, it was wild. And then probably like arguably one of the worst ads in Super Bowl history, if not the worst, just for the fact that it was like really racist, was a um, a shoe company ad for a company called Just for Feed, which filed for bankruptcy after the ad. And and my uh, you know my other colleague AJ details that there was some other sort of shady dealings allegations um, within the company that surfaced later. But like that company is literally no longer in business. And they themselves sued their um, the marketing company that 
created the advertisement because it was so obviously racist. Um, my question was, did they watch the ad before, like, it went to the Super Bowl? Like, I don't know. But um, those are two examples of other ads, you know, because it's like there doesn't have to be a lawsuit. The company doesn't have to go under. It could be like a major PR disaster. And then you're like the laughing stock of the advertising world for, you know, at least the year after the Super Bowl, right? If not longer. So um, they live in infamy. Let's just call it that. Yeah. And, and, you know, this is just, you know, not exactly an expert informed opinion, just my own thoughts. But I feel like it's a lot easier to flop these days than it is to like have one of those 1984 ads where you're like, whoa, like this is cool. This is the new thing. Like everyone just like gets a warm, excited feeling from your Super Bowl ad. It's like kind of more fun to dunk on the 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 like nationwide ones. Um, and, uh, and it's just, there's just like a huge dunkers market out there on, on Twitter and every other social platform. Yes, absolutely. I think it's way more fun to, you know, criticize in, in the era of social media, fortunately or unfortunately. So, um, we'll have to see what this year brings. As you mentioned, it's, it, it's a historic high for the price of a commercial spot. And that doesn't include production costs, by the way. All right. Thank you, Amanda. We'll, we'll get you on back again soon. Thank you so much. That was Amanda Kristovich on Front Office Sports Today. A couple of updates to some stories we did last week. The Angelos family, which owns the Orioles, there are multiple lawsuits in which Louis Angelos was suing his brother and mother, and Georgia Angelos was suing Louis over the Baltimore Orioles and a very high-value law firm that the family owns. Those lawsuits have all been settled. The details of that are not public. But, but those lawsuits are, are now no longer operational, and the settlement was done with prejudice, meaning that these parties cannot now bring those lawsuits again for the same reason. Also, at the end of our first episode, I mentioned that, half-jokingly, really, that Tom Brady, his first game in the broadcast booth, could be broadcasting the Super Bowl. Fox actually apparently considered doing that, saying, like, all right, here you go, rookie. (laughs) It's Super Bowl, first game. Brady just came out saying, I want a little more time to prepare. My, My first time in the booth will be in 2024. That'll do it for this episode of Front Office Sports Today. Thank you so much for listening. Subscribe. um, Tell your friends. We'd love to bring this product to more people. I don't think there's anything quite like it out there in the podcasting world. And we'll see you tomorrow. Tomorrow.